thing was kind of, well, you know the things you do wrong, like occasionally maybe lie to Milu or maybe try and steal something out of the cookie jar. You know, there are consequences for that. You should be punished for that. But Jesus has taken all the punishment for you. Now, it was, it was childlike terms, but something clocked in my spirit. And I remember it so clearly because I called up my grandparents to tell them and my grandparents who weren't Christians and as far as I know did not ever give their lives to God. Um, said, oh, yes, we're Christians too. And I told them exactly why they weren't. So my mum, my mum at that point thought, yes, she's understood. So it was a slightly awkward moment, but still, I think it was, I, I remember it. I still remember it very clearly. And from that began the journey of me wanting to share about Jesus, wanted me, I, I used to start singing. I used to sing as a little child. Mum said even before I could use words, I used to lar around the house and she used to send tapes and recordings of it over to my grandparents so they could hear what I sounded like. And um, I remember at seven, standing up, I grew up in a Baptist church, evangelical kind of background. And so every year they would give their Thanksgiving prize for if you, how many times you'd attended Sunday school. And if you'd done really well, you got the full Bible. If you hadn't done so well, you might get a bookmark. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure on the theology of that. But anyway, at the time it felt good because, you know, I rocked up most weeks, sometimes with the space hopper things on my head and various, you know, and there was always an old lady who had boiled sweets and I, I knew which colour I really wanted at the end of the service. So she had those for me. And I used to sing at the, in these kind of uh, Thanksgiving services and then that progressed into singing with groups and choirs and bands and then I worked for Youth for Christ for a year and then I, I moved down to Brighton to join the band Fatfish. Now all of this had been a dream since I was a little girl. Now, some people don't really know what they want to do with their lives and ne have never really known what they want to do with their lives. I've apparently from the age of very small, I know I'm small still but short, small, um, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell people about Jesus through singing. And fortunately for me, my mum and dad knew that was what I was supposed to do, and they facilitated that however they could. So I was really um, blessed. But I came from nowhere. I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't have any good contacts. I didn't have the doors that needed to necessarily open. It didn't look obvious. But step by step, God has unraveled a plan and let me sing for him, which I totally blows my mind still. And I'm still allowed to do it, which is even more blows my mind. But I've reached this point, you know, I turned 40 a few years ago, and... Um, and now the next generation are coming up. So when you're 20 and you've got this dream about being in a band and you're going to travel, you're going to change the world and you're going to do all this stuff, you know, the dream feels like it could go on forever. And then I hit 40 and then uh, there's more people behind me dreaming. And it was like all of a sudden, oh, am I supposed to get out, get out of the way now? And, uh, and, and that kind of feeling of, oh, what, what am I supposed to do? And then you you work out is this me being selfish am I you know what's the right here, thing here God I'm sure you've still got more for me because I feel like I've only just got started and uh, you're, you're processing you're working it all through and um, I felt God speak to me clearly in October about something and then I was reading a book by a guy called Pete Gregg called Dirty Glory has anyone read that book and I found it so inspiring on many levels. But he reached this spot. There's a story in there where he'd been chasing after God. He'd been obedient with God's call. And, um, and life had had its challenges and, and quite a lot of stuff going on. And then he was out in America. And he reached this place in America. And then he was in this place called Camp Blue. Now, Camp Blue is a place where many people had settled and they were supposed to go on to a journey somewhere else i'm trying to simplify the story it's a bit complicated they're supposed to they were supposed to travel 
out of Camp Blue and further. But the, the journey ahead of them was untrodden. It was um, really far. It, there was no actual road there. Uh, the weather was terrible. There weren't any resources to kind of keep them alive. So most people who went on that journey didn't actually make it to their destination. And he was standing there and God spoke to him and said, um, you're, not, you're not to settle like the people did here. It's a basic overview of it. don't want to give too much away from the book. And it, it spoke to me because it's very easy to settle. It, it's easy for me to go, well, I've, I've done 25 years in ministry and I can keep, you know, I can shake, give myself a pat on the back and move over and let the young ones move up and in. And then I, I mean, in my spirit, I don't want to do that. But, you know, God, if that's, if that's what you have for me, I, okay. And, you know, you have these conversations with yourself, don't you, about what you're called to do and what's God's will and all that sort of thing. And he spoke to me through that, and it was like, oh, it's okay. I can, I can continue to dream. If I stop now, I'm settling in Camp Blue, and actually I need to keep moving forwards. So it started the ball rolling with the thought of um, dreaming again. And I want to encourage you here. Maybe uh, you have just begun the dream, your first dream, and, and you know, you've got lots of plans and exciting things in front of you. Or maybe you've lived a life for quite a while now and some of those dreams have occurred and you've kind of stopped at Camp Blue. Or maybe you've given up dreaming because it hasn't been fulfilled. What kind of dreams has God placed in your heart? Where are you on that journey of seeing those dreams fulfilled? Is there anything holding you back? Do you still need a dream? Even as I talk, you might be panicking right now, thinking, well, it might be all right for her because she can sing, so she's, hers is obvious. I, on the other hand, have no idea what my dream is. Well, that's okay. You know, there's a bit in the Bible, in um, Corinthians, where it talks about the church being a body. Okay, some of you probably know that, but some don't. And actually, the body has made up of many parts. So if you look at your body, some parts look like they're more significant than others, and you can do without them. But actually, God calls us to actually ha- each have a part to play. We each, I'm not going to suggest which part of the body each of you are. You'll be pleased to know. But, it, but sometimes we can view what seems to be insignificant is actually more significant, and some things that seem like they are significant are actually less significant. But actually, we all have a part to play. We all are part of the body. Not one of us is invalid. Not one of us is disqualified because God made each of you for such a time as this for plans and purposes. Now, I know this because in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what it says in the Bible. How many of you believe the Bible today? Most of you. Good. If you don't, you know, it's an ongoing journey. But for those of you in the room who believe the Bible, that is what the Bible says. He has made us for good works in Christ Jesus, that he has prepared beforehand that we can walk in them. How exciting is that? Now, does that mean that we're all going to be on on the stage or in a high-positioned or high-viewed role? Not necessarily. But that doesn't negate or invalidate or actually change the worth even of who you are and what you do. We just all have a different part to play. Mine happens to be singing. Someone else's is being a deputy head. I could never do that job. We, God has placed gifts in every person in this room according to his will 
according to his goodness, that we might walk in them. Have you got lost along the way? I thought of a few things that can sometimes help us, uh, cause us to kind of get a bit distracted or lost once we're dreaming. I, I love dreaming. I'm a, I'm a big personality. If you, if you want a portion, a small portion of food, it's very rare that it will get served up on your plate because I just happen to be that kind of person. I think my dad was like it. You want baked beans, you'll get tons of them if you want. And that's the way I think. I'm quite a big person. But maybe you're just exhausted. You know, we reach certain stages in life and we're just tired we're tired of asking we're tired of keeping going we're tired of life it's not even that we're miserable it's not even that we've got anything to be ungrateful for we're just tired maybe you've got unanswered prayer today you've dreamed for something you've asked for something and you haven't seen it maybe you're just comfortable it's like actually quite like sitting here and being able to afford my red wine on a Friday night and uh, you know my takeout every week and I quite like being able to go out for meals with my friends and do all these other things I'm not actually feeling like I want to sacrifice any of that not saying you have to but you know I'm I'm comfy and I, I quite like that maybe some of you feel like you haven't got the resources you know, God's called you to something and everyone says God will provide if you're meant to do it and you're still stuck there, kind of pockets are empty and you're trying to scrabble around for resources. Or maybe it's encouragement. I think we're, we live in a culture where encouragement is so deprived. We are called to champion one another and to encourage one another. And the other the interesting thing about encouragement is it can't just be one way. So you could encourage me, but unless I receive it, then that encouragement falls on the ground. It, it, it hits dry soil. But ladies, we've got no room for competition or comparison because each one of us is called by his name for good works. And we don't want to do anyone else's job. We don't want to have anyone else's life because that's not what we're made for. We're actually supposed to encourage each other and cheer each other on with what God has called them, you, to do, us to do. And that is through what we do, that is through what we say. But the hardest bit within our culture sometimes is not just giving, it's actually receiving. So I want to encourage you to be encouragers and to be receivers. Because otherwise the, the circle breaks the chains break you lose a chink in the chain and then what but we can we can change culture you know the world doesn't live like that the world does not encourage because we're all trying to reach it to the top we're all trying to make it ourselves and there's that kind of thread of self-sufficiency I can make it on my own I did it my way you know it's like so what fat lot good that did you it's like actually God calls us to be a body together to serve with one another and to care for one another to cheer each other on and each do our part each have that link in the chain maybe you're feeling just dry We've talked a bit today about spending time with God and finding ways to actually um, dig into the well again. Maybe you feel you're too old. Maybe there's stuff in your life that's hindering. Maybe you're looking after parents at the moment and you feel like, well, that's my dream over. I've got to, I'm, I'm in this now. 
Maybe someone else does it better than you. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe it's something that someone said over you that actually has crushed you or hindered you or you're hearing that above what God says over you. Maybe the road has just too hard and it's never been paved before. That's hard. But you're called to pioneer. God's given you the right feet. And it says that he goes before us. So you're not doing it alone. A high percentage of these things would feel quite reasonable. We can, we can reason them out. Well, that's why. So I'm going to stop here. But I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. So how do we do that? How do we keep on keeping on? A couple of things. Firstly, we believe God. We believe he is who he says he is. So while um, you were singing that Yahweh, which was beautiful, thank you, Lord, and thank you, whatever your name is. Where are you? Thank you. That was lovely. I thought, oh, I'll just look up Yahweh so I can encourage everyone what that word means. Okay? John Piper has got 10 things about who God is, Yahweh. Okay? If we don't know who God is, then we're not going to believe him to do anything. We have to know who God is. Okay? Otherwise, it becomes very small very quickly. And our faith becomes very small very quickly. So, there are at least 10 things the name Yahweh, I am, says about God. One. He never had a beginning. Every child asks, who made God? And every wise parent says, nobody made God. God simply is and always was no beginning. Two, God will never end. If he did not come into being, he cannot go out of being because he is being. God is absolute reality. There is no reality before him. There is no reality outside of him unless he wills it and makes it. He is all that was eternally, no space, no universe, no emptiness, only God. God is utterly independent. He depends on nothing to bring him into being or support him or counsel him or make him what he is. Everything that is not God depends totally on God. The entire universe is utterly secondary. It came into being by God and stays in being moment by moment on God's decision to keep it in being. So, you know, he's pretty in charge, basically. He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us and he loves us. All the universe is by a comparison to God as nothing. Contingent, dependent realities to absolute, independent reality as a shadow to substance. That's quite a complicated way of saying it. As an echo to a thunderclap. All that we are amazed by in the world and in the galaxies is compared to God as nothing. We're going to see him. I was thinking about Billy Graham this week and the fact that, you know, I, 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 it's very emotional. I know it's emotional because he died, but he's now meeting the person he's talked about for his entire life. He's there. He's seeing his love. He's seeing the guy that he, he absolutely adores and has lived for his entire life. He's now with Jesus. How amazing is that? God is constant, not like me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot be improved. He is not becoming anything. He is who he is. God is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty. God does whatever he pleases, and it is always right and always beautiful and always in accordance with the truth. 
God is the most important and most valuable reality and person in the universe. He is more worthy of interest and attention and admiration and enjoyment than all other realities, including the entire universe. Even creation is just a, a taste of who God is. When we get, how, how many of you have traveled anywhere where the beauty is just so gorgeous and you're like, wow, Lord, can't believe you made this? Anyone? Or you can look on planet Earth or... And you, and you see these incredible things that God's designed, detail after detail, color after color, circle of life after circle of life that he wove together. And most of it, nobody else sees apart from him. He's amazing. So we believe God. We believe who he says he is. We believe he is who he says he is. We also believe that he will do what he says he will do. If he is ultimate truth, if he is perfect and there is no sin in him, if he does not lie, he will do what he says he will do. If God has spoken, if God has called you, it will come into being. It's not dictated to by our circumstance, but it's dictated to by God's word speaking forth. Now, we have a part to play in that. You know, we can turn away from God's purposes and plans. I do believe, again, we've talked a bit about his sovereignty, but we can still have the choice like, like Adam and Eve did, like we all do, to sin or not sin. We have a choice to actually live in the good of God or to turn away from him. But actually, if he said it will come to being, it will come to being. Secondly, we need to know who we are first. Your calling is not who you are. We hear a lot about identity. And actually, I was thinking today, again, the theme that's been coming really through is grace. Because if the opposite to grace is us, the opposite to grace is us striving, trying to achieve, trying to win, trying to prove, trying to earn God's love, earn his favor, somehow give back to him because we've received and so we owe it to him, but we can never give him enough. And so grace is this incredible gift that God has given to us. But what grace does is it releases us into the understanding that we are God's children. So that is who we are first. Out of that then comes the things that he's made us to do. It's amazing. We've all got two eyes, two, two noses, no, one nose, two ears, and a mouth and a nose, and yet we're all different. All different. Because God had joy in making us. He went, oh, I'm going to give her brown eyes. I'm going to give her a brown, no, a brown and a blue one. Uh, no, uh, you know, God made, had, had joy in, in making us all different, right? But he didn't do it so that you could then go and do stuff. That's secondary. Grace is a gift so that we know that we are not orphans anymore. Man, sometimes I still live with that orphan spirit. I still live like I'm an orphan and I don't belong. I, I allow certain thought processes or principles, I allow it to rob me and steal me because I forget. Hang on a minute. I'm a child of God first and foremost. And actually, I'm loved by him. I can go and sit with him. I can go and enjoy his company. And he loves me. It's not just about me giving to him, but the joy that he has in us as his children. We are now adopted. We now belong to him. We are now hidden in him. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate him, us from him anymore. We can't remove ourselves from being in Christ. Once you become a Christian, he doesn't just kind of become place a seal on your heart and then it could peel off maybe if you do really badly you become less sticky no 
it says now you belong to me and you are in with me and there's nothing that can separate that out of that call out of that identity we then become uh, as uh, sorry out of that identity as children we we then find out and discover what we are called to do so first we are children of God secondly we work out our calling third we want to become faithful Galatians 6 verse 9 let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up being faithful can sometimes be really painful and hard work and I I have to admit there are times when I grow weary but actually his promise is for in due season we will reap if we do not give up so remain faithful Jesus is the greatest, our greatest example of that, isn't he? For the joy that was set before him, which is us, he endured the cross. He remained faithful. He did not grow weary in doing good so that he might reap us as his reward. Four, fourthly, another way of um, keep on keeping on is worship. Worship isn't just about singing the songs that we sing on a front-led Sunday, but it's about our lifestyle. It's about our lives as a people. We need to be worshippers in our everyday. So whether, whether you facilitate that through song or not, although I believe wholeheartedly that we are to sing, not just because I'm a singer, but because God is a singing God. He made us in our image. He sings over us. And we, in, you know, follow on from that, we are made to sing. There is power in our voices. There is power as we sing. There is power as we meditate. But actually God calls us just as he uses his voice to speak things and sing things into being and bring life. Actually, the amazing gift is that as we sing, life comes too. Okay? But worship is about the heart. It's about surrendering your will to his will and recognizing who he is. Somebody said to me today that when they lost their mum, they had this kind of pivotal moment of, of kind of realizing, I'm not God. And I remember having actually exactly the same thought. There was a point where I was like, you're arguing with God about why your mum's gone, but actually you're not God. So you can keep trying, but you're not God. He is, so you have to trust in him because he's God and you're not. And worship is about understanding and recognizing who God is. And the more that we meditate on his word, the more that we spend time listening to him, the more we spend time with him, with his spirit, then we understand and our eyes are awakened. You know, it talks about the fact that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And and then we are transformed by the power of his spirit as we see him. So we need to worship him. We need to remember who he is and surrender to him. The moment our vision becomes more important than God is to us, we're in trouble. So worship helps us to keep us centered because then if we're focusing on him as we're worshiping, then we don't get distracted with ourselves or with other things that are going around us, with what other people are doing and being raising up and, you know, oh, they're doing so well, Lord, and I'm still here plowing the ground. It's so unfair. Actually, the moment we start centering ourselves and worshiping again, then actually we, everything comes back into alignment. So worship is really, really key to it because you keep him at center. Number five, cling to the gospel. I am a gospel girl. I love the gospel. Everything comes out of the gospel. 
every freedom, every peace, every part of what we live in, the good of who we are, being in Christ, absolutely everything comes from what Jesus did when he walked, when he died, when he rose from the dead and is now seated in heaven. The gospel, everything. So in our calling, whatever we do, we need to remember that it's based on the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. So it empowers, it equips You know, it's the power of the gospel that saves people. It's not me. He uses us. He lets us be part of that. But it's the gospel by the power of the Spirit that saves people. Everything that we do, we can't just rely on our gifting or our personality or even opportunity. It has to come back to the gospel. The gospel changes everything. I know I wrote a song like that. But it's true. If you really believe that Jesus loves the world, that he gave himself for the world, that we might become his. And it's not just a nice thought or a nice emotion, but it's the power to save us. It will fuel what you do. Do you believe that Jesus is the only answer? Do you believe that your friends are dying unless they find Jesus? We forget so easily. We're like the, we're like the Israelites. We, oh, we've lost you for a bit, so I'm going to build a calf. Or I lost you for a bit, so I'm going to get on with my own life. People are dying around us, and we have the keys in Jesus. I feel very passionate about the gospel. And I, and I, still, am, I still fail. I still get weak. I still get distracted. But man, the world doesn't know about Jesus. I had a kid come with me to carol service. He doesn't know what a carol is. Oh, Bethlehem. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, that's where Jesus was born. Oh, right. Okay. Carols are songs telling the story about Jesus being born. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. You know, the world, the thing about Santa, right, is that I watch quite a lot of Santa movies over Christmas. I love Christmas. Um, And... um, and so many of them are about the fact that Santa knows that person by name and he knew what they wanted when they were four. And everyone's like, oh, he knows me. He knew that toy that I longed for and never turned up. Because people want to know that they are known. They want to know that they're cared for. The only thing is Santa can't save them. He can buy them a nice toy. Don't tell me he's not real. I don't want to know But Santa's not going to save him, but it's a recognition of what the world actually wants. They want to know. The only thing is that most people don't then want to give their lives to Jesus, do they? They want the present, but they don't want the transformation because that's costly. But that's not our choice. Our choice is to present the gospel and then allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. So we need to cling to the the gospel as we live out our calling. I've been thinking about, uh, again, what's been shared today. And some of you might even be thinking, well, that's all very well for you to say. You've got a mic, you can share the gospel. But never underestimate the power of shared experience. Each of you have a story. You have a story of what you were, of what you are now, of what you're going to be. You have a story of stuff that's been difficult in your life and things that have broken through and been good in your life you have a story you're here because some somewhere somehow along the line you've encountered Jesus and that has changed your life 
and it's an ongoing work. The gospel is an ongoing work. So you get your once and for all, we are saved, Jesus has done it once and for all, but yet this is this ongoing transformation by the power of the gospel in our lives. Each one of you have people that you walk with in life and you can share life with. Each of you brought a different story today and touched different parts of the room because they related to you. Now, I could share the same story in terms of the principles about Jesus clinging to Jesus, but it's not going to touch and connect in the same way. I mean, I believe that God does things, and it's not just that. But actually, each of you, in the place that you are, have a calling to share your lives with others. And it's exciting. I, Off the back of my mum dying, Jesse had just started school. It was like September he just started school his first year in reception. I didn't know any of the mums. None of them are Christians. And I had, well, mum, she was sick at the end of August. She, it was basically seven weeks between when we knew that she had this operation. Four weeks later, she found out she was cancer. And three weeks after that, she died. Okay, it was quick. And Jessie had just started school. My baby, my first one, my, my number one had just started school and I wanted to be there. And yet I couldn't. I, I had to keep leaving and going to the hospital to see her and we were working out all sorts of things. And I'm, I made a few friends at the school gate as quickly as I possibly could. And, you know, Jessie had to survive and it was all fine and he's not traumatised by it, thank goodness. But in those friendships, I now have some key friendships just from that reception that I still am best friends with one of my friends is Helen and I the year after mum died her brother died of cancer and I ended up going to the hospital with her going to the hospice with her praying for her brother I wrote a song for her and it was the power of shared experience it's like we've got a connection we've got an understanding each of you have a story that you can connect with I met another guy called Paul who's part of is it Victory Church I don't know, some big Jesus Victory Church up in Manchester. And this guy had been on heavily on drugs for years and years and years and years and years. And then God broke in. He was completely set free. And now he has a, um, a ministry to, to drug addicts. Now, I can go to a drug addict and say, I believe Jesus can heal you. I mean, Jackie Pullinger did it. But there's something powerful in, in someone who's actually journeyed that. And then going and ministering and saying, listen, I know how you feel. I've walked that. But I also know how it feels to be set free. And I believe Jesus can do that. Now, this is about relationship, but about walking out your calling. Have you got any neighbours that come into mind right now? Or, or I would challenge you to not just spend time with Christians. Because we, we need to one another each other. And we need to have our circle of friends that can build up and edify and feed into but some of my best friends aren't Christians and I still do that with them I still speak truth one of them I'm just like Lisa you know you need Jesus come on but it's about relationship it's about stories it's about people Jesus didn't just come for like a blanket of non-description people robots he came for individuals he loves people and then he pulls them all together. He calls them his bride. We need to be a people of the spirit. We can only go so far in our own strength. Now, the Holy Spirit can often be misunderstood. He can sometimes be disregarded. 
But when Jesus left the earth, he said, I will leave you. I will send my helper to you. And the Holy Spirit isn't just an attachment or a a, a kind of um, sidekick to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God. And he is with us. And Jesus said he will reveal to you. He will. He, the same spirit that rose me from the dead is now at work in you. We have the spirit of God at work in us. Now, what this means is that we don't just have the spirit on a Sunday so we can stand up on the microphone and sing or say or do things. But we are a people of the spirit. So when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And you become a person of the Spirit. Now, there are all different ways that people might express how you receive the Spirit. Some people might say you could be baptized by the Spirit, which means there's almost like an extra dose of the Holy Spirit coming on you. There's the ongoing filling up of the Holy Spirit because, you know, we want to keep hearing him and not run dry. That People would use all that sort of terms. But basically, God comes and lives in you by the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. And um, we need to understand that in our daily walk. So for me, it's things like the Asda man comes and is limping. I want to take care of him. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? So I pray for him on my doorstep. It was slightly embarrassing. But, you know, when you know in your spirit, I've got, oh, Lord, really? I've got, I've got to pray for him. Okay, this is really awkward. But actually, God wants us to be a people of the spirit listening to his voice. I didn't know you sang this morning. I knew nothing about you, but God knows everything about you, told me to say that over you, because we're a people of the Spirit. God loves to speak through us and bring his heart, the revelation, the heart of the Father to people inside the church, but also to people outside of the church. I'm challenged. I'm trying to ask God to teach me as I walk around the park, as I run, whatever I'm doing, to notice people. I'm asking for him to tell me about people. Why? So that I can feel really good because I know God and I hear from him? No. Because sometimes people need to know not Santa, but they need to know a heavenly father. Only God really knows everything about people. He knows their deepest thoughts, their dreams, their disappointments, their hurts. Now, it doesn't have to be scary. It sounds scary sometimes, doesn't it? I remember going up to one guy, I was doing a run, I was coming back and my headphones were in and there was this guy at the bus stop, he looked really lonely and, and I kind of, I thought, oh Lord, really, okay. And I, and I took out my headphones and I started trying to chat to him and he was having none of it. He was just kind of, he was just looking at me going, this is really weird, can you just move away please? He was almost looking for help from someone else just in case I did anything. I was like, okay, I obviously did not hear right there. Put my headphones back in and walked off. But actually it's having this willingness to say, oh man, God loves people and the Holy Spirit knows God and the Holy Spirit knows people and he helps us to join all the dots together because he's lovely and kind he's also powerful it's the Holy Spirit like I said before that brings change we need the Holy Spirit in our lives it's not trying to do better It's not ticking off the hours on the spending time with God list. It's not about making all the right choices. Remember that guy who asked, what must I do to be saved? And um, Jesus kind of listed off a few things. He said, well, I've done the first three. Surely that's enough. It's like, well, no, actually it's not. You've got to come to me and acknowledge that I'm the only way. 
but we need to be a people of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just pray even now for those of us who are resistant, for those of us who don't understand. I thank you so much that you're patient with us. I thank you that you bring the power. You are the power of Jesus in us, at work in us. I thank you that you're the healer because of what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you that you equip us, that you bring revelation. We need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. I can only go so far, and it's not far enough. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us up again. So I'm closing up in a minute, but how do we work out this calling? So we've got our kind of everyday neighbours, story, who we are. This is what God's called us to do. And then we've got our other kind of workplace and vocation and all those things. I want to encourage you, what are you good at? Sometimes people say to me, well, I'm not allowed to do that because I really like it. Because they don't think God will let them do something because it would be wrong for them to actually enjoy what they do. It's bad, isn't it? Are you one of those people? Because it's not true. God gives us the desires of our hearts. Because again, if we're a people of the Spirit, we're, we're get, getting in tune with God and His desires and what He wants. But He created you all with a gift. Have, you, have any of you done the Strength Finders thing ever? You know, and some, I don't like being put in a box. So I feel slightly crooked about the whole thing because I'm like, oh, I really wanted one of those over there. Why have I got them? And it, it really bugs me. But then you think, but actually, I've got to go with it because that's who I am. Actually, God calls us. He's given you strengths. He's given you gifts that he wants you to put into play. And he doesn't mind if you enjoy it. So if you're really good with children, go for it. If you're really good at music, go for it. If you're good at sport, go for it. If you're good with maths and numbers. I met somebody the other day who loves spreadsheets. That's her calling. That would not be my calling. But that's the joy of it. When I go away and I travel, I have people that come and help look after my kids. Now, I don't force them to do it. It's actually part of their calling and their gifting and what they bring to the table. Am I kind of bullying them into looking after my children? No, I, I find people that love my children. But it's about releasing everybody to have the part that they play and not devaluing any of it. I'm not more important than the person that looks after my children, actually. I'm not of any more value just because people see me doing something than the people that are not seen at all. And actually, without them, I couldn't do what I do. So all of us here have a role, have a part to play, because God has gifted you. And it's joyful. There are challenges sometimes stepping into that. Like I say, circumstances, tiring, being tired, blah, blah, blah. But actually, God has gifted you. Romans 8, I love this in the message version. I love this. The resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. I love that. 
God's ha- God has adventures for all of us. Now, some of us might really like our homes. We might be home birds, and the thought of adventure and tough mudder and running 10 miles and going in ice buckets might not be your deal. But actually, God knows that, and that's his adventure for you. And that's okay. But he loves to spring surprises and do adventurous things like, come out of the boat, Peter. I bet Peter did not get in the boat that day and think, I'm going to be walking on water tonight. You know, he didn't go with that intention, did he? He's a fisherman, so he knew exactly where he should be and where he shouldn't be. In the boat. But Jesus loves us to go on adventures with him. So that means praying for people maybe that you uh, didn't expect to be praying for. That means that when someone tells you they're not very well, you go, oh Lord, I've got to pray for them. That means that if someone says, I'm really struggling with kids tonight, I can't find a babysitter, you go and babysit. That means if someone needs some meals provided for, you cook some dinner. There are all sorts of ways that we can show God's love and God's kingdom and God's purposes. But each one of us wants to work it out in the environment that God has given us. But I would encourage you, don't be robbed of what God has for you by settling. You know, the enemy, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about him and how he likes to rob and steal and destroy. He wants to kick you off your game whenever he can. He wants to distract you. He wants to tell you that what you bring is not really worth anything. He wants to tell you that, oh, it's just a few cakes. It's not that great. And yet to someone else, it can have major impact because you thought about them. And they've, nev- they've never had anyone think about them before or care about them. So actually what you've done is amazing. There's all sorts of examples of things like that. But the enemy comes to destroy and to rob. And what Jesus wants to do is say, I've made you for good works. I've made you for good works. Look at that smile. That brings joy to people. It does. God has made every person in this room for good works. In Christ Jesus, according to his purposes and his will. So, there's a couple of things that God gave me a picture for as I come to an end here. Okay? This King Kong thing, um, which I know sounds a bit dumb, but God speaks to me through lots of things, and one of them is movies sometimes. But this whole thing about swinging through the vines, right? Um, we cannot um, hold on to the vine behind us if we want to move forwards. Does that make sense? So it might be that today some of you are holding on to something that it's time to let go of in order to move forward. So it might be something that you've been doing for years and you really like doing it or you feel comfortable doing it, but actually it's time to let go and actually God's got something else for you to take hold of. It might be that there's sin. I felt yesterday or the day before when I was somewhere, I felt God prompt me to just say, maybe you're holding on to some sin in your life and actually you can't move forwards until you actually repent and give it to God. You just, you just can't live in both worlds. And there's something that you know you're not letting go of and is a, is, is a repeated habit in your life. God wants you to have freedom from that so that you can move forwards. The other thing God gave me a picture of was a cupboard. And it was um, every time you do something, you, you, put, you put that thing into the cupboard. And the cupboard gets full and more and more and more and more full, right? And eventually the cupboard is at capacity but then there's something else to do. But you've got nowhere to put it because the cupboard's full. And I felt God say, 
you have to take some things out of the cupboard in order to put new things into it. Now, some of you might feel like you open that cupboard and everything falls out in front of you. I know that feeling too. But I just want to encourage you, you only have so much capacity. You can't be everything. I know that we all want to wear the Wonder Woman pants, but, you know, we can't. We are Wonder Woman, of course, but we can't do everything. We cannot, and we're not supposed to. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So it basically means, unless you're doing what God has called you to do, then you're wasting your energy. You want to do what God is building. You want to invest your energy into that. Because everything else fades away. So I want to encourage you. I want you to think right now, is there anything that's behind me that I need to let go of in order to move forwards? Is there anything that's in my cupboard that's taken up way too much room and I actually need to get rid of it so I can actually put something else in there? Is there any sin that at the moment I'm really battling with that at the moment is holding me in this position and I just can't move? Now, again, Jesus has dealt with all of it. So we have the choice to live in that sin and let it rule us and reign in us. Or we, well, we have the choice to believe that Jesus has paid for it all and dealt with it all at the cross. And so we, ha- we can move forward. We don't have to live like that. That's basically it. We do not have to live like that. Sin doesn't have a hold on us anymore. Jesus has broken the power of sin. So we can let go so that we can move forwards. Are there any people that you could actually start investing your story in? It doesn't have to be big and glamorous. Are there people that you could be praying for with them, without them, that you can be investing in? Are there any dreams that you've let go because you haven't seen them fulfilled yet? Now, often with dreams, it's it's one of those things. It's quite painful. I um, I said to a friend the other day, I'm almost scared to dream too big in case I'm disappointed, because I've carried disappointment before, and I've let it rob me then of dreaming. So I just want to say to you, maybe, maybe you're scared to dream, just in case it doesn't work. But that's not, God's, that's not God's heart, is it? Actually, God's heart is for us to lay hold of the things that he's called us for. And it's his job to unfold them all. So our obedience is about dreaming and asking and chasing after and going for it. But we do that in the grace of God, believing that his plans and his purposes and his will will come into pass. So maybe there's some dreams that God wants to start bubbling up inside of you. I'll just pray and then you can come up and I'm not going to sing anymore. Lord, I thank you that you know every person in this room and I just, I want to come against the word disqualification. So easy to disqualify us, but that is not of you, that is of the enemy. That brings death and it does not bring life. I thank you that every person in this room is qualified because we are in Christ. I thank you that if there's anyone in here today who doesn't know you yet, that you died for them, you gave yourself for them, so that they can then belong to you and be your child. 
and have eternal life. I thank you for Billy Graham and the way that he stood on that stage and he preached the gospel tirelessly. He, he called out and, and shared the truth. But I thank you for every person in this room that can share the gospel wherever they are, in whatever capacity they're given. I thank you that our value does not come in whether it's seen or unseen, and whether man endorses it or doesn't endorse it, and whether it's popular or unpopular, whether it gets enough likes on Facebook or it doesn't. We're just called to come and do your will and to live the life, the good life that you've called us to do. I thank you for the shared experiences that can be um, imparted into so many people's lives. Amen.